You're listening to the Buildify Method Podcast, where we're all about mindset, systems, and profit. As a nationally recognized business consultant, coach, and speaker, your host, Aaron Keith, is passionate about supporting the entrepreneur community by sharing his knowledge gained from coaching over 10,000 entrepreneurs in nearly 20 years, at companies ranging from billion-dollar enterprises and celebrities all the way to Main Street and small startups. Each Buildisode's blunt, no-bullshit conversation is led by Aaron along with his co-host, Ryan Coyne, a veteran tech consultant and nationally recognized speaker. Each week, Aaron and Ryan deconstruct mental and physical aspects of the topics that challenge all successful entrepreneurs, while also providing coaching, insight, and specific advice on distinctions that affect all growth-minded entrepreneurs. So listen up. It's time to work on your business, not just in your business. Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Aaron Keith, the CEO and founder of the Buildify Method podcast. I'm joined today with my co-host, Ryan Coyne. Hi, Aaron. I'm really excited for today's episode because we've got with us somebody who is perfect to talk about the topic of branding and websites. His name is John. He is the CEO of Agent Image, and he has been at this 20 plus years. We thought he was absolutely perfect. John, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. John, tell us a little bit about your company. Uh, Well, we started out uh, in August of 1999, so been been at this since uh, the dot-com days, actually, uh, long ago. And uh, Started out doing uh, general design of all things, um, doing websites for so many industries, automotive, healthcare, et cetera, and found our uh, niche in the real estate industry uh, around 2003, 2002, 2003, and been doing this, uh, you know, was doing real estate from 99 on, but that really became a focus for us uh, after that. And, uh, you know, even before branding, I guess, was a a buzzword, so to speak, that was sort of our, our passion was always about, you know, a website, just not just a website. It's, it's so much of it is building a brand for a client for a business, and uh, the website's just an aspect of that. But it's a, a super important one. So, uh, yeah, we we built it doing that internet marketing, um, and basically just helping clients uh, succeed online uh, since way back then. That's great. And you know, John and I have known each other for quite a while now, and we we shared a lot of our clients. So me and John interact a lot behind the scenes. John and I, uh, we have a lot of our celebrity clients uh, are, are shared, all the way down to very small little startups that we share. And so I wanted to bring John on today because we're going to dive into branding. We're going to dive into websites, how to make your website really efficient, really effective, things you need to know when you're building or creating your website, especially in this day and age it's more important than ever that you have marketing, that you have branding that's cutting through that static, cutting through that noise, and is really landing for your ideal customer. So Ryan, let's kick us off. What are we getting into today? All right. So for starters, I wanted to ask you both to talk about what some of the brand pillars should be for any business in general and how they can apply to the digital side of things. How do these brand pillars influence what the website should be? What makes an effective brand able to translate to the web? Yeah, let's, I'm I'm really interested to hear John's uh, perspective on this too. So for everyone who's listening, let's, let's get clear on what a brand pillar is. So when you're building your business and this is something that is not kind of chiseled in stone, you can adjust this as time goes on, as your business evolves, as all of our companies do evolve over the years, your brand pillars are anywhere between Uh, I'd say three, all the way up to six different things that comprise or make up your, uh, your brand. So let's see here. Let's just use real estate as a quick example, since we, we have a lot of real estate clients right now. One of your brand pillars would naturally be the industry that you're in. So let's just say real estate. And then let's say community, would it be another brand pillar? We could have technology as another brand pillar. 
Uh, lifestyle could be another brand pillar. In other words, you need several pillars that make up your brand. Your, your brand pillars are also going to give way to your content. So if you're not clear on the pillars, the things that comprise your brand that help you communicate to your ideal customer, then it makes it really, really hard to start to build out your logo, build out your website. So John, once someone understands what their brand pillars are and those things that kind of comprise what the, the look and the feel of their brand and what it stands for in the world, how do you help people turn that into an effective site? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a lot of kind of aspects to it, too, because, you know, it, it really can vary for, you know, people come to us who are agents who just are newly licensed starting out in the industry, um, all the way up to what you mentioned, Aaron, we have so many celebrity clients in common as well that have been doing this for years, decades. So it really is kind of learning about that person, getting a feel for their business, for, you know, uh, you know what it is their brand already conveys if they have an existing brand if they don't have one you know what is it they want to convey because the website itself has to be i, I use the term a lot but it has to be extremely relatable um your, your website when someone comes to it, it it's often especially nowadays when you look at the last you know month here with the uh the covid crisis and pandemic um that's gone on people are glued to their screens you know and it really is now the first impression that people will have of you a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's the one element that you control. Uh, when you think about it, you know, if you're in any business, Yelp is, you know, prevalent. Uh, any sort of review sites are prevalent. Your website is really where you can control the image and the your your business and what it conveys um, the most because it's, it's where people are, it's where people are looking for you. Mm -hmm. And I, I think brand pillar wise, how do you convey what your business is, who you are as a person, um, your personality in a sense? And, and it's done through so many things, right, Aaron? Right, Ryan? You, you've, got, you've got video. You've got, uh, you know, can you put video on the site? Can you become somebody who they hear your voice? They see you. They see actual, you know, it, it's a living, breathing thing in a sense. You, it really you know, is. Yep. Yeah, we used to do that as businesses with our storefronts. That was what it was for so long. And not only has that evolved to become your website, which is now your digital storefront, but in a time like this, when you can't visit storefronts, it's only more highlighted. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, once you, once you know your brand pillars, another way of understanding brand pillars is that narrative. Your brand pillars tell the narrative of, of your business. And so then once you understand what that narrative is, being able to digitally explain or convey that narrative in a powerful, accurate way is an art. So, you know, finding a good web person, finding a good branding person who can help turn that logo, that website into that, uh, that object is really important. So let's talk a little bit about logos as well, since your logo is a, a part of this whole brand picture that we're looking at here. Um, Ryan, you see a ton of logos in this space. If you want to talk about clutter and competition in the marketplace, not only is there so much competition and so much choice about style, there are dozens of sites that are eager for your business, but end up producing generic logo forms based on industry that don't do anything special to communicate the brand. And since we get asked so frequently, what is the purpose of a logo and what is it supposed to communicate? John, I'll have you weigh in on this too, but a logo has to communicate. We are in the communication business. That's what a business does. That's what branding is. Branding and marketing, when you distill it down to its core, it's all about communication. Is it communicating who you are, who your business is, and is it doing it accurately? 
right? And, and, and John, you see so many sites. Yep. You see so much branding. I mean, what percentage would you say of the branding that you see that comes across your desk actually communicates what that business is in the way that it wants to communicate it? Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty low number, honestly. Um, and this is, you know, you and I talk about this stuff here. I'm extremely passionate about not only branding, but your logo is the foundation of that. And I, I've done literally, you know, panels on just this. Um, your logo, and, and to touch what you said too, Ryan, and, and Aaron, it's it has to communicate who you are, which it's one item, it's one thing, but there is so many factors that go into it from being easily identifiable. You think of, right, Chanel, Coca-Cola, Louis Vuitton, uh, anything, you know, Mercedes. Some are, are identified by a symbol, others by initials. Um, there's all different things, but there's so many things that an agent or if we go even from a, a business standpoint, general business, that people don't think of. Um, and, and I always remind people, you know, I'll give you an example. If if you are a new agent starting out and you're in one market and that market, you know, whatever the identifier is, right? Say it was something about that market that, uh, you know, it's a color scheme or something you want to go with that, you know, or, or, or icons, be it a certain, you know, if it was, uh, trying to think of examples, see if you guys, uh, trees or certain things like that, you never know where your business will evolve. So even from the basic standpoint of creating a logo, you want it to be broad sweeping enough or general enough to where it could work in any scenario because you want that logo from day one to be with you and to carry and be with your brand ideally um, forever. It may evolve into, you know, different, you know, variations or renditions of it over time. But it should be easily identifiable and never lose that continuity, no matter how it evolves, because your clients need to identify it and, and recognize it. If they've been getting mailers or advertising or they've been seeing that logo for years, it may change over time, but you still need to make sure that logo is easily identifiable. What if you go from being an individual agent to joining a team or a group? You know, how does that logo evolve? We, we get challenged with that all the time where somebody comes to us and says, hey, I'm building out a team of 10 people, my logo worked for this, but I now need something that instead of saying, you know, uh, Joe Smith says the Joe Smith group, and how does that evolve into that and, and carry over and work? Or I'm partnering with somebody who has an existing brand and logo, how do we tie our brands together and marry those and make them still identifiable? Is that a, con you know, a, a mixture of a, a logo from one or elements of one and colors of another that have been very identifiable? You know, how do you marry those? So there's so many things that go into logo from a psychological standpoint, from, you know, at begin, they have to be extremely identifiable from the start. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and you see it done successfully. You guys see it all day long, but you also see it done, you know, very unsuccessfully as well. Yeah. So, Ryan, when, when you're giving advice to a lot of our clients about where to go to get, you know, logos and stuff like that done, you know, obviously there's someone like John, like a, a really nice shop who can do it. And we have some clients that sometimes can't afford, you know, to go to a real place. So as we have clients of all sizes, what are some of the more inexpensive places if a business owner just needs to start out getting something done? What, because there's so many sites, we get asked this all the time, where should I go? 99designs, Fiber. Is there any do's and don'ts around that that you would recommend? The best thing to do is to come up with your brand identity first, because that's going to help anybody who is working on a brief for you. So if you were going to go to a place like 99designs or to a place like Fiverr or Upwork or anything else, the information you're giving them is what's going to make it special. Whatever you're paying, whether it's a lot of money or a conservative amount of money for a logo or a branding project, the success of it is going to be defined by the accuracy and the time that you put into the information that is given. 
Input equals output in this case, like in so many others. Sometimes you're trying to do too much. There is such a thing as trying to do too much with a logo mark. Just think of some of the most perfect logos you've ever seen. Like Nike is unmistakable with its logo. Coca-Cola is actually the most recognized symbol on planet Earth before the letters OK. Think about that. Hmm, that's interesting. Wow, that's really that's interesting. Well, when we talked about it right now, Coca-Cola was one of the first ones that came to mind for me. So it, it tells you something in that respect. It's it really is, and, and also real a total side note on this, but you know, if, if what is your business trying to convey as far as who you're trying to attract and who you want to attract, you know, you don't, I, I talk about all the time, is it, uh, you know, a luxury market you're working in? Is it, you know, whatever it is, the logo needs to speak to as much as possible, everyone, especially whoever you see your audience being. And not only that, your audience can shift over the years, you know, it may start out in one space. So how do you make it as, um, you know, as approachable and as recognizable, but also as, uh, again, relatable as possible? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that make this the action about the actuality of this, you know, the the true action behind this conversation so far. So here's a couple of takeaways that you guys want to be writing down. One, you need to know who your ideal customer is. Like John just said, if you don't have a very clear uh, description of who your ideal customer, your ideal market is, that's going to be a hindrance to get into really having an effective brand. Second, to what Ryan said, you need to have a really good brand description, a really good brand, like a brief on your brand that breaks down everything from your colors to your logo, your tagline, you know, all your brand pillars fit inside of that as well. So there's a lot of upfront work prior to reaching out and finding a designer, finding a web designer. It's a lot of the research that you have to do. And a lot of that quiet time of really sitting and thinking, what do I want this business to stand for? What do I like? What do I not like? You'll start to see that there's a lot of uh, a lot of unknowns in there. It actually is not the easiest process, but spending that quiet time putting pen to paper and writing all that down allows you to be very clear. And once you're clear, then you can have a powerful interaction with a professional when you hire them. So, guys, what are some of the specific pratfalls to avoid in the web dev process? You know, how can somebody be a good client in the traditional sense? that in turn results in you being able to help them more effectively and set themselves up for success? Yeah, I would say, you know, probably most importantly is just being as prepared as possible. Um, you know, from a, a web development standpoint, you know, we as, as designers and developers are, are really here to, to guide them and, and assist. You know, that's really what we do. It's, it's you know, people come to us with all, you know, some have all their collateral ready. They've got photos, images, video, content. Um, and they just need us to sort of help them, you know, tie that together and tell a story and, and build it out. Um, you know, others come to us very, you know, just fresh out the gate. You know, here's what I've, you know, I have in mind. Here's some sites I've seen that I like. You know, um, can you guys do this for me? And, you know, I, I don't have content. I don't have all this ready. Uh, you know, those are the ones that are probably a bit more challenging because the timeline can really vary on those. Um, when we build a site, we have a good idea how long something will take uh, once we scope it out. I think for us, if anything, what we ever see is, is delays at times where people don't have content ready for those sections or don't have right. the information um, ready. And, and that can tie up the process at times. You know, you work with it because everybody's different. But I'd say as, as prepared as you can be as far as having the content you use for your marketing, you know, your, your things of that sort. Um, Images we help with as well, but sometimes people have set images or at least things they've been utilizing 
And the biggest thing for us is we want to tie whatever branding, if they have any, uh, together. So it's very cohesive once it hits us and hits the web, um, because that's, that's a whole different conversation, but really carrying that cohesiveness across every single medium, right? From right. print, listing presentations, social media, uh, every single place. And, and your website is really the cornerstone of that from a, a digital standpoint. Absolutely. I have another question for John, actually. I've run into this a lot on the projects that I've consulted or project managed, but a lot of people don't realize either that the the media that they currently own, the photos they might already have are either not high resolution enough or not professional enough. They're not prepared to potentially invest in either some stock photography, not all. We've all seen a lot of the same stock photos and we don't want to encourage people to rely on that. But obviously there's been, there's, there's really readily available, um, aerial photography and different kinds of interesting stuff for certain locations somebody might operate in. I'm not saying they should go hire a helicopter pilot and a photographer to lean out the side, but you know, can you talk about how you coach people through the process of hiring a photographer and perhaps having like, you know, a, a staff dressed extra well kind of day to make sure that they can get those assets together for you? Yeah, no, we, we talk about it all the time, you know, and it's, it's, you know, the web and print too, but the web especially is very unforgiving. If you have a a beautiful design website, but the photos, and you guys see this all day long too, the photos yeah. or the videos are shoddy or low resolution or pixelated, you, you name it. I mean, we've literally seen it all uh, in doing this. I always tell people, you know, a couple of things. One, do not cut corners ever on photography. It, it's the one place that you've got to use high res photos. And really, it, it's, it is, we can build as, as beautiful a site as, as we want, but if those images aren't on point and they don't, carry that uh, and, that, and, and carry that message, the whole thing's lost. And, and it really, um, you know, I, I tell people, you know, for your team, make sure that you get professional photos done. If you have a team, your staff, whoever, set up a day, as you mentioned, Ryan, where you have consistent, you know, a photographer come in, shoot in one consistent area. Um, you guys see it, I'm sure we do all the time where we'll build out a broker site who might have 20 agents on it. Some are missing photos. Some have a black and white photo. Some have, mm -hmm. you know, a headshot that's 10 years old. Um, you know, we're left photoshopping the heck out of those, trying to match them up as best as we can. And, and we can do a reasonable job of that depending on what we're working with, but it makes such a huge difference. And, and to your end too, the, the aerial shots with drone photography now and video, it's so, it's so much more inexpensive to do that than it would have been, you know, 10 years ago, as you mentioned, grabbing a helicopter pilot somewhere, but there's so much amazing, uh, there's so many amazing videographers out there and photographers that shoot with drones, that shoot properties, you know, especially real estate related, like we deal with a lot of clients um, that can get amazing, amazing shots done very affordably as well. Um, and again, you know, you, you, as, as deep as your pocketbook as you can spend to get whatever you want. Right. But it's amazing what you can get um, at a relatively cost effective clip uh, when it comes to getting photography done for your site, both yourself as well as, uh, you know, rather than using stock photography with background images and stuff. Yeah. And to your point there, when I'm working with my clients on getting prepared to get their brand ready and where we're building out the marketing plan, the, the branding outline, one of the things I give them a lot of coaching on, which you, you guys are both speaking to here is preparation. Like when, when we're doing photo shoots for any of my companies, we're looking at two very distinct sets of photos, which I think this is worth noting, everybody. I think one set of photos that you want to get is the human element. You want to get you, your staff, your team and you want to start getting all those people shot in such a way that's telling a story that's cohesive with your brand message. The other kind of photos, which I don't see people doing as often, is more that product shot, where it's 
Um, it depends on what industry that you're in, whether it's a beautiful computer with an iPhone and a, and a beautiful pen and some earbuds sitting there. There's all kinds of product shots that correlate to the industry that you're in that also help tell a story. And those product shots married with the human shots, the human element, give some diversity, give some depth to the, the way the brand looks. Whether you're using this on social, whether you're using this in print or obviously your website, you all want to sit and think about that. And that's part of the preparation, preparation, preparation. You have to prepare for your brand. And your photo shoot is no different. You want to really start to think, where in town should I be shooting? What kind of images or shots do I want to walk away with as an asset? And starting to prepare all of the props, all of those things, and then sitting down with your photographer, making sure that your photographer and your web guy or gal have had a, uh, had a very clear conversation with each other so that the web team is communicating with the photographer. You're communicating with everybody. So that way, the whole entire team is on point and in lockstep with what we're trying to build here. Yeah, it's not that different from a movie production when you think about it. I mean, everybody has seen a documentary or behind the scenes, even if it's only a clip, of how much work goes into the pre-production and the planning, storyboarding. You know, so even the video projects and when I used to have a I had a side business for five years that was a real estate marketing company that did all kinds of really advanced, you know, video production, drone work, 3D imaging and stuff like that. Um, we would take that planning stage to really you know, storyboard it all out, you know, to make sure that we knew what kinds of shots we needed to get and what's trying to be accomplished. So John, to your point about even the, the headshots and the age, you know, if somebody's headshot is from the, you know, the Reagan administration, it can be a problem. Um, and if, if you're, if you're going to have photography that is out of balance with what the goals of a page are going to be. Like, it's not, you don't want to send a photographer out there just to get a bunch of beautiful images, but then have to find a way to jigsaw puzzle them into something else, you know, that has to be a cohesive uh, process. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought back to a panel that you and I did last year, Aaron, um, which the topic of social media came up. And it's interesting how it ties together here because we talked about social media platforms and how, you know, don't sort of paint that picture on social media to who you think your client is in the sense of what you think they want to see. You know, your social media has to be authentic. It has to be genuine. If, you, if you're putting something out there that seems salesy or seems contrived in any way, when that person meets you, they're going to know that instantly if they didn't already because um, mm -hmm. people read people. And it goes to your website exactly the same. You know, whatever you can do, not only it doesn't have to be just the, the typical headshot type things or bio shots or whatnot that you see, but how can you get imagery in there that does tell a story and does make you, again, relatable and personable and creates that sort of um, connection to somebody that they can get off of your website? And, and that's what a lot of people don't realize. I think they realize it more now than ever, obviously, because of, of the climate of things. But it really is, if you if you have a well-created brand and website and, and everything online, people get to know you that way first, especially right now. And they mm -hmm. feel like they know you already. And if you're that person, when they meet you, who you were on that website and what you conveyed and, and who your team was and what your business is about, it, it speaks volumes. And it can, it can close a deal in, in any industry at that moment, believe it or not, before they even meet you, the meeting you becomes a formality at that point if, if the story is consistent and if, if everything's consistent. And I think people sometimes don't realize how important their website and their digital presence period uh, is online and how much good it can do and also how much bad it can do if it's 
if it's you know not up to par or not Correct. doesn't convey them well because it can do a hell of a lot of damage. Yeah, I used to- yeah, it's 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 the eye test versus the smell test versus the heart test, and I just want to give a quick shout out back to all the way back to build episode three, manufactured reputations versus authentic reputations. So anybody listening that's more interested in how we can uh, make sure to be aligning your authentic reputation with your brand versus a manufactured one that people can detect and maybe you know dock points against you from, please go ahead and check out build episode three. Yeah, and so let's let's kind of caveat off this point. Um, one of the things that I think is very powerful everyone for everyone to understand is when they're building out, whether it's their website, whether they're looking at their branding, um, social media, videos, any marketing collateral, everyone has to understand the behavioral science behind the decision making that people are going through when they're looking at your different assets. So when you're doing marketing, there's two primary uh, things that the brain's running up against. And this is important. So when you're building out your homepage, when you're building out your about page, when you're building out different aspects of your your site and even your brand, here's what needs to happen. So step one, the human brain's trying to figure out, is this person credible? Is this business credible? So you have to make sure from all of your content, and that's everything from your images to all the writing style and, and how it sounds and how it flows, the voice behind your writing, the text of that writing, the story you're telling. Is it leaving the potential customer with, I am credible, my business, my company, my team is credible. That has to absolutely be hit. If someone doesn't think that your or your your company is credible, they won't listen to you. They'll hear you. Hearing implies that they're judging and evaluating you. Listening implies that they're accepting what you're saying is true and accurate. So there's a huge distinction happening here. So once we've hit the credibility, the next phase the brain moves on to is how does this apply to me? How does what this company does or what this person does apply to me in my life? So you have to be very, very clear, very, very accurate on telling that story, being very, uh, very accurate in your description here. I think a lot of people drop the ball with their credibility and really spending the time to craft how what you do applies to the customer. Because this is your opportunity, everybody, to lay out your differentiators. How are you faster, smarter, taller, right? We got we to gotta showcase all of your differentiators in this second bullet point. So John, where do you see people kind of drop the ball in their uh, overall strategy around their website with this? Yeah, I would say, you know, when it comes to, you, you touched on it very much. So it's, People judge a site, and I used to I, I used to say this line a lot of times. I would tell um, clients, agents, I would say you're better off not having a website at all than having a website that doesn't portray you as trustworthy, professional, credible, and the expert in your area. Um, because to have a website that doesn't do that and have that be the impression somebody has uh, is actually worse than than uh, than actually you know no website at all. It, it really actually it can be. Um, so, John, I'm, I'm curious, since you see so many websites come across your desk and people are entrusting you and asking for your help on kind of how to how to communicate. Right. And what are some of the important places on the site where people need to either one, you know, really convey their credibility? Like how how can people do that better on their site? And then two, how and where should people be talking about their differentiators on their site? 
You know, when, when you come to a site, uh, any website, it, it really, people judge, they actually did a, a research on this. People judge a website's credibility and professionalism, you as a business, within a fraction of a second, less time than it takes to blink. So the impression they have right off the bat when they get there, they're already deciding whether they trust you and they trust the website. It's that quick. So really where I think it's, it's most important is what is the instant image you portray? The colors and everything have to do with this. But as people get into it, does it flow? You know, when, you, when you're on a homepage or website and you scroll down it, does again, you know, I, I said earlier, does it tell a story? Does it really convey who you are? And I think everything from, as you mentioned, how the text is written, you know, there's no place you can't cut corners on content. You can't cut corners on imagery. Those are the two areas. And, and obviously colors and things like that matter too. But it's, those are the things when people see something, does it, is it as relatable as it can be to the public who comes to that, that website? And does it exude professionalism, credibility, um, trust, first and foremost? Um, that really is, is the most important thing. Gotcha. That's great. Yeah, that makes perfect sense and, and keys in with me because I know even, what I like to do as a test, I sometimes like to go to the websites of the Fortune 100 and the Fortune 500 because these are all brands that people have feelings about already. And I like to see how that company has decided to present themselves online, knowing that they already have tremendous brand strength. They have the opposite problem, which I find fascinating. This has to be something that has to give further foundation and further credence to a feeling people already have. And when you think about colors and you think about, you know, when you think about uh, peaceful growth and health, you think green as a color, right? And when you think about, you know, trust and dependability and strength, a lot of companies decide to go with blue. Everybody, you know, from uh, from Chase and Lowe's and AT&T and Dell and all these companies, um, excitement is, you know, uh, Coca-Cola and Target, you know, Lego and different companies. So these are, these are decisions and, and wonderful things to see how even a giant company like Unilever has by comparison to what they actually do in their assets and, and what, you know, their global reach has a relatively conservative brand. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. On the psychology of colors, it's absolutely dead on. So I want to ask you guys, what are some specific actions that you would recommend that any business owner can take to evaluate their current website and decide if it's time for an evolution of the brand? Ooh, I'll let John start with that one. Yeah. You know, I, you know what, I, I think first and foremost with that, you look at, I, I tell people this all the time, look at people who are who you deem successful in your market. And this can obviously be a bit challenging, right, uh, Aaron, for some of our celebrity clients, because a lot mm-hmm. of times they are at the pinnacle of the market. And, you know, I would say come to, at that point, you have to find a firm that you trust and sort of have seen do, you know, good work or, or do things that have, you know, it sort of emulated brands well. But for most of the agents out there uh, who aren't those celebrity agents and those, those types of clientele times, and again, I'm thinking from a real estate perspective, from a business perspective, who have you seen that you feel has done it successfully? And just take a look at your website. I tell people, I actually did an article on this uh, about a week back. You know, I, I told anybody in this, in this era, again, during the, the time that we're in, go Google yourself. Look on Google, pull up what comes up for you, see what's out there. Um, look at the first few results because this is what anybody right now is doing. Any potential client right now is going to be looking you up on Google. That's what they're mm-hmm. going to do. Right. And what does that picture look like? Uh, does your, is your social media on point? 
You know, does it convey who you are as a, as a person, as a professional for your business, your brand, your website? You know, if you were to approach this from a, I'm landing on this website for the first time and we look at websites all day long, all of us as consumers, does my website come off as professional, as, you know, as again, trustworthy? And does it convey the image of my business and my brand that I want it to? Um, am I happy with my brand as it is? You know, if, if you look at it, which is hard to do sometimes to look at it sort of, uh, objectively that way or subjectively where you actually are, are assessing it yourself to sort of say, would I trust this website? Would I trust this brand? And that's a tough question to ask yourself. You know, you, maybe you, yeah. maybe you ask, uh, you know, colleagues and other people as well say, you know, what do you think of this? You know, those are good. Those are good approaches when it comes to your site, uh, which it's, it's kind of a simple one, but I think you really need to take a, a good, honest look at your brand and your website and say, does this convey who I am as an individual, as a business? And is it the message I want to put out there? Um, I'm not sure if that helps to answer the question exactly. but No, no, no. It, it definitely does. And Aaron, you know, as, as the business coach, and you've worked with more people than anybody that I know, you know, how would you recommend to one of your coaching clients or any of the businesses that come to you for advice to know when it's time to address that more meaningfully or perhaps even start over? I mean, I think every couple of years you have to take that honest look and just really evaluate the brand. Yep. You know, has this thing gotten old? Um, I also, I'm a big fan of looking at other industries. I'm not, uh, I'm not a huge proponent about necessarily checking out your competition per se. I know a lot of people do that. I think when you're always looking at your, your competition, you're very pigeonholed in an industry. And some industries move slower than others when it comes to evolving as a brand and what's what's fresh and what's hot. I think it's really good to just look at other people that are really leading the charge in their industries and starting to pay attention to what they're doing. When are they changing things up? Well, I think just in general, every couple of years, you got to add a new, uh, new coat of paint to the house. I think that's just one of, the, one of those things you got to do as a, as a brand owner. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, one thing that we, you know, even our design meetings, right. When we're meeting with a client for the first time to actually discuss building the website, the first question that we've always asked, and this really hasn't changed in 20 years, we'd always say, tell us websites and brands you admire, not necessarily in your industry. It could be any brand, any industry, but things that you like that have drawn you in that sort of say, Hey, this is what I think of my brand as, or what I admire, or what I, what I, you know, uh, uh, would love to have my brand emulate. And it could be any industry outside your own. And it usually is. Um, and how do we bring that into your space and into your business and, you know, utilize things like that? What, what's an inspiration for you, I guess is, is a good way to put it. And a brand, I think it's important to realize is very organic. It's, it's a living, breathing thing. And, and I think people fail to realize sometimes they think of it as just a logo or, it's, but it really has a life of its own. It can be damaged. It can be built up. It evolves. Um, it is, it, it's, it's you as a business. So, you know, as, as you touch on Aaron, you know, every few years, look at that. Is it time to sort of change the logo, even subtle things or change or evolve, you know, certain elements to, you know, freshen it up or to sort of um, revamp it and, reinv and reinvigorate it, if you will. And I and invigorate. I think that's probably you know a, a major thing that again sometimes falls by the wayside, and time goes by, and it's it's great from so many perspectives of refreshing and having a new campaign going out there, something that gets in front of people. There's so many reasons why you do it, but staying relevant is is huge, and your brand can help you do that at all times. It's it's not just something static. It's at at all. Absolutely. Yeah, and I also want to add that there is such a thing as achieving perfection. 
Okay. Some companies have done it. Um, and there's not always an impetus to change. Maybe you can change other parts of your brand, but just, you know, finalizing the logo conversation, cause we're, we're beating a horse at this point. Um, Sony very famously has held multiple contests with prize money in the millions of dollars for somebody who can come up with a better logo than what they currently have had since 1970. And every single time the campaign fails, nothing has been better than what they've got. Can you imagine Nike changing the swoosh? Can you imagine FedEx getting rid of the little hidden arrow in between the E and the X at the end of the logo, which always means moving forward? Um, There is such a thing as achieving elegance and simplicity. Even the Samsung logo most people don't realize that the S and the G that connect with the oval shape, um, it's open into the white space to convey that their company ethos is open-mindedness for the future. You know, there's there's subtle things that are incorporated with logos all around us. And sometimes when you try to change it, it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't think of how many times Pepsi has changed their logo in just the last 20 years. And they always go back to the to the same couple of circles, you know. Right. So I would I would encourage people not to put too much pressure on themselves to always reinvent the wheel when it comes to their logo, and just to encourage our audience to remember that we're not saying that you need to yeah. pay one rewrite everything when it comes to sitting down and evaluating your brand. Absolutely, absolutely. So in in summation, I also want to point people back at Build a Sode number twelve if you want more information and a deep dive into Google Business and the way that your business re- is revealed on Google. We had somebody with us who discussed that at length, um, and I, I definitely want to give a huge thank you to John from Agent Image for for joining us today. This was incredibly comprehensive and informative, um, and I, I I think you brought a really fantastic shining light to a lot of aspects of this process. The thinking that you put into it when you were approaching people for helping them with their stuff and how they can successfully engage you or anybody else. And Aaron, I, I really, really think it was wonderful to have John with us. Absolutely. Oh, John, and we'll put John's uh, contact information in the page notes so that uh, everyone can contact him if you guys have any specific questions for John. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was this is awesome, and uh, and hopefully uh, some good takeaways and and uh, for the people listening out there. Well, thank you all so much for joining us this week on the Buildify Method podcast. We're always trying to make sure that like-minded entrepreneurs such as yourselves have access to tools and content and strategies and wonderful guests like John every week to help us help you as we build this entrepreneurial community. So make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. It helps other people find us. We look so much forward to you joining us next week. And we hope you have a fantastic one. Take care, everybody.